Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. And I'm Michael McMullen. And, uh, you know, people make all this fuss about the Graham Norton show, Jonathan Ross, all these great chat shows. You know, we get to hear from Tom Hanks, we get to hear from Meryl Streep. But one person they've never had on, these these so-called stars, is Dave Tyndall. And this is the week where friend of the podcast, Dave Tyndall, is on. Dave, welcome. Thank you. I, I've still no idea what I'm doing on here, but hello, everybody. Well, that makes three of us then. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Dave uh, kept us entertained, has kept us entertained for much of the last year with his various emails, his torments he's played on his own table. And I said uh, a couple of months ago, rather recklessly, he's going to come on and here we are, the day's come. But so, Dave, who is Dave Tyndall? A lot of people, I'm sure, have been wondering that. Who is Dave Tyndall and what is your, <laughs> what is your sort of snooker background? Um, so I'm a very much a snooker child of the 80s. Um, it was my, you know, best sport easily. Well, foot, that and football, but snooker, you know, that was kind of my specialist subject. If I'd been invited on Masterminds as an 11-year-old, that would have been <laughs> my chosen area. Um, and, yeah, I was, I was probably like a lot of people, I was mad. Mad for it in the 1980s, couldn't get enough of it. I've obviously watched Gods of Snooker, which has, has been great. Um, and then probably like other people as well, I drifted away from the game a lot um, until, I don't know, lockdown sort of sparked it up again, which is a bit odd. People have said maybe in lockdown, lockdown one, that is, you go back to a sort of safe place where things were happier and simpler as a child. So it was partly that. It was also fueled by, I'm a sports journalist, so I write about sport, funnily enough, and sport stopped, didn't it? Which was not ideal for my profession. So I thought, oh my God, what, am I, what on earth am I going to do? So I was a bit worried about the old noggin kind of thing. And I thought, I've got hours on end of doing nothing. So I, I decided to buy a, a six by three and really go back to, the early 80s, and then obviously the next thing you do is start buying Steve Davis wigs and recreating tournaments. Natural progression. It is yeah, absolutely natural progression. And when you were uh, when you were young following snooker, who would be your sort of favourite players of that time? Absolutely Steve Davis, right. absolutely. I, I kind of... My journey, again, like a lot of people, would have been pot black. So I've got pot black um, as the way in, as my gateway into snooker. Um, and then I must have, I have no recollection of Steve Davis in 1980 at all. So I've no idea that he'd won specific tournaments, but I just had this sense of this new kid on the block and I'd been maybe seeing Fred Davis and stuff. They were all these kind of ancient players that I, I hadn't grown up with. And then Steve comes along and right, he's going to be my kind of hero. And he was for a, a number of years. Um, and I love him now still. Although Dave, I've got to ask you, 
Yes. I, I'm intrigued by this whole business of these sort of make-believe tournaments because I used to play these as well, as you know, as a child. And I used to find myself, without ever really intending to, slipping into the sort of styles and mannerisms of the players I was, I suppose, pretending to be. So, you know, say if I was pretending to be Alex Higgins, but I'd have the whole sort of wild mannerisms and the, that sort of jabby cue action at times. Yeah. Steve Davis obviously would be a lot more textbook. Did you, did you find yourself when you were playing all these tournaments slipping into that? Yeah, because I was I was commentating in my head as well. So oh, I'd wow. be I'd have Len Ganley's voice in my head. Um 60 and 17 and all this kind of stuff as, as they built breaks. And yeah, Alex again, I think as well, you kind of when you kind of mimic somebody, sometimes you mimic the mimics. I used to sort of mimic how John Berger used to mimic them. So with Alex Singers, I'd be sort of shuffling around the table, tapping it with the side of my cue, sniffing. Long sniffs for sort of John Spencer, all those sorts of mm. things. So yeah, yeah, you do, don't you? And did you play at the speed of players? Like, say for example, you know, when I was a, a kid back in the eighties doing this, if I was playing as Tony Drago, for example, I would just find myself without even saying, "Right, I'm playing Tony as Tony Drago," so I have to be really quick. I just find myself doing it, and then with someone else like Cliff Thorburn, I'd find myself taking more time over every shot. So was yeah. that something that you did as well, that you, you would play at the same sort of pace yeah, as the players you were being? Definitely. And then, obviously, I have food to eat and I have to sleep. So, you know, if I was if I was looking on my sort of list of who I'm going to be, if I was seeing, like, Terry Griffiths versus Eddie Charlton, my heart would sort of drop because <laughs> well, this is going to take ages or I'm going to be authentic about it. What we need is a sort of uh, snooker stars in their eyes. So you come out, you're given a player. So you're, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Cliff Thorburn. Oh, no. Anyway, we're not just chatting randomly here because we are. We are Dave has brought his diaries with him. Now, uh, you kept a diary when you were young. How, how many years did you keep these diaries for? Um, I kept them from, well... I don't want to give away some of the answers. Okay. But when you were... Yeah, I guess it's going... Basically, yeah, it's the ages. Towards the end of the 80s, it's noticeable that my um, snooker entries are dropping off as going to see bands and girls' names are appearing. <laughs> so I decided to start leading a life a little bit more. And you also told me just before we started that uh, about going to the Crucible. It, it seemed you sort of went even when you'd lost interest, which is interesting in itself. Yeah, I think I've been, is it five times now? It's the first time I went as this absolutely mad, interested kid, and it was the most exciting day of my life, I think. Um, I won't tell you the year, because that's one of the quiz questions. Then I I used to work for the Sport in Life, mm. um, the, the website, and I went to see the Matthew Stevens, uh, Mark Williams final, mm. um, and got to sit in the press seats, 2000, is that right, for that? We would have been I, I there. Was, I was probably, yeah, yeah. We, we were there. And I, I mean, I, unlike most journalists, Dave, I actually like to get in and sit in the press seat. So it's entirely possible we sat next to each other 21 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, lost. I, I, it's like lost. Yeah. <laughs> I was sat there kind of being engulfed with imposter syndrome, thinking, what am I doing here? Much like today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a familiar. Don't worry, Dave, <laughs> that never wears off. Yeah. Um, and then I remember going to the press conference afterwards and because we were sporting life, I think we had a betting question for Mark Williams to say, because I think a lot of his mates had backed him. William Hill always used to do this thing where you could back, you know, Mark Williams' dad could have backed him when he was five to win the world. Mm. And, um, and, and we asked him, and it, it was me and another lad, and he just so sort of went, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, we did. And I was like, is, is that it? Are you going to save it more? There, was, there was a lad there was a lad from his club, wasn't it? I think his name was Kevin. And he put right. 140 pounds, which I think was a week's wages. Kevin Bowen. On Mark Williams. Kevin Bowen. That was him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and he like and, and I think as well, that was the last year. So Mark would have been what, twenty-four then. So I think it, it was it, if he didn't win it that year, then the bet was gone. So even the fact that obviously he's won it two more times since then. He wouldn't have collected. But I think they ended up meeting each other, Mark and Kevin, and there was some sort of photo taken with the two of them together. Uh, yeah, I, I just remember him being so sort of cool about it at the time. And I, I've never quite worked 
Mark Williams out, whether I like him. I know everyone loves him because he's laid back. I, I sort of can't quite get a grasp on him. Really that, can't. That's how he likes it, though. That's exactly how he likes yeah. it. Because yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, it, and it, it extends to people playing him. You can't get under his skin. You can't, you can't work him out, actually. And that's exactly yeah, I, how he likes it. You went there this year as well to the Crucible. I went there this year as well. And the other, the other time I went was 2015. I, I used to um, work for William Hill Radio alongside Ian McCulloch. Wow. Um, former <laughs> semi finalist. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, when someone said to me, oh, Ian McCulloch comes on, that, that was the first thought. Because by 2015, I, I, my snooker knowledge was appalling. So I didn't know who he was. Um, I just had no, didn't mean a thing. So I, I was, you know, had this been in the 80s, I would have been sat there like a complete fanboy, just amazed and probably not able to speak. But, you know, I got to know Ian. He's a great, he's a great bloke, a really great bloke. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, he um, he arranged and gave me a backstage tour of the Crucible with my son. Oh, oh, oh. Um, when my son was nine, I mean, I was clearly the more thrilled because we met John Parrott and Dennis Taylor, and yeah. But but at the time, I was like, that was peak imposter syndrome because I didn't know who anybody was. So so when I found the Snooker Scene podcast, I thought. I'm going to try and relearn everything and see if I can sort of get up to speed. I remember listening, and I worked my way through the back catalogue. I remember listening to, to, to one you, Dave and Michael, did about the best 10 players yeah. of all time. And you had Neil Robertson in there, and you didn't have Alex Higgins, and that at the time blew my mind. I thought, what are they on about? Mm -hmm. But obviously now, I had no concept of Neil's like 100 centuries in the season, you know, to me, I knew he'd won it once. Higgins had won it twice and was this amazing. So I couldn't... And then I think you, Dave said, oh, you said, oh, he wouldn't even be in the top 15 or 20. I guess you were going yeah. on, on actual, you know, ability and or actual, you know, their best game that they had. And, you know, things have moved on, obviously, since then. But at the time, yeah, I had no idea. Well, it's like... Were you expecting to see Jackie Ray in there and Kingsley <laughs> Kennerly and all these people? <laughs> Well, then, then the other thing, the other thing is, um, I um, used to go. My local, uh, this has come up, Snook Centre is the Northern Snook Centre in Leeds, which is one of the best around. And I used yeah, to play there yeah. with a mate, and he'd be nudging me saying, "That's Peter Lyons." And I was, I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, he's just qualified, hasn't he today? He has, yes. Q School, uh, Peter Lyons, I think Jackson Page, Wansijun, Fraser Patrick. All made it through. It's like to use an inappropriate metaphor, and why not? It's only a podcast. It's like you've woken from a snooker coma. Yes. <laughs> Suddenly, Almost, you... yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. a bit like that. There was that. There was a friend of mine who uh, was obsessed with Live Aid, and so when Live Aid came around, he took the day off work to watch it, and he was absolutely crestfallen that it was actually contemporary artists. <laughs> I think he was expecting, you know, that it would still all be, you know, the Who. And, uh, you know, Dar Straits performing with Sting. I don't think he was even ruling out an appearance for Freddie Mercury. And, uh, and then, you know, people like Joss Stone and, you know, I don't know, The Killers and, or all these people appeared on it. He, he just couldn't believe it. So very similar to your experience. Well, Dave. But you're not alone, you know, because the, I, I know of one prominent player who did a piece. Now, it is about 20 years ago now, but it was still a bit daft then, where he was asked to name his top 10 players of all time. And he put Alex at number one, which was right. astonishing. Well, let's stay in the 80s, because as I say, Dave kept a diary mm. as a boy. Now, what he's going to do is he's going <laughs> to read an entry. He's going to read several entries, but he's going to read an entry, not going to tell us the date. And we've got to try and work out the date from the reference. So it won't, probably won't just be snooker in there. There'll be other clues. And if this is successful, ITV will do this as a game show. And I'm going to register the copyright, OK? But So we're going to take it in turns. Michael can go first. First guess to him. If he doesn't get it right, it passes to me. There's no points. We're not, we're not lunatics. But... There's, there's no point, and there's no point. Exactly. We're just fooling around on yeah. the podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Tindall reads from his own diaries. Excerpt number <laughs> one. Excerpt number one, Dave. Hit, hit me, Dave. Hit me. You, uh, you're making me feel like Alan Bennett here. <laughs> the the, the coloured balls would fascinate you sound a bit like him, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Man would give me a shilling to catch the bus to Leeds. <laughs> that, 
that's not part of it. So the, the first, I, I feel like I'm in an episode of the trip now. The trip to Sheffield. Let's all, let's all calm down. It's a hot day. Let's all calm yeah. down. As, as once again, yeah. as once again, Dave yeah. Tyndall reads yeah. from his diaries. I will Come not on, lapse. Dave. I will not lapse into Bennett, which is a problem I have. Is it you first, Dave? I I think well yeah okay me first okay. yeah by the way I won't know the answers right because <laughs> my memory's so, not good are you guessing the year or or the month when I yeah well we'll, oh, we'll listen, find Dave, I, year. I, yeah we're going to attempt to name you the actual date if we yeah. can yeah, yeah that's big talk but let's yeah. see what happens okay yeah. um so this one um Steve Davis beat Terry Griffiths nine seven in the Yamaha snooker Davis had one hundred and thirty five in the last frame. Now, the, the clues, the added clues here are every Tuesday that month, I've written pop blacks on the telly. Um, on the 17th of that month, Liverpool got knocked out of the European Cup by CSKA Sophia. Yeah, Sophia, yeah. Uh, I sent off a snooker scene magazine. There you go. So my history with this uh, venture is long lasting. And also, the, a bomb scare at school went to Whitehaven and bought some new snooker balls. I don't know whether that was some sort of delayed panic, but that's what I did. Well, <laughs> I think, so it's clearly, it's pre-British Open, because I think the Yamaha was the sort of forerunner. So it's pre-985. I think it was that same sort of slot. So it's sort of February, March time. So I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, and it is a guess, 1984. Uh, sort of no. fe late February, 1984. Does, does I don't Michael think then. Does Michael buzz in and take your point? Here? Well, yeah, Might I, as well. Well, I thought on you, but but then you confirmed it with the CSKA Sophia thing. So um, I think they were known as CSKA Red Flag in those days. But anyway, that's another matter. Was it 1982? It was. Uh, well done. March 1-0 to Ireland. So the, the final was, yeah, Davis beat Griffiths in the Yamaha. I got the right the sort of time of the year. I got the right time of yeah. the year. Not the right decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Anyway. Right. You so, I, so I get first dibs at this one. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Or you lead by a point. I don't know how you do it. Um, right. Michael. Steve Davis won yep. the Tenants UK Championship by beating Neil Fold 16-7 oh. <laughs> in the final. Uh, also, so, th also that week, I went to yeah. Whitehaven and bought Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order. Fantastic. I went to Stratford on a school trip, saw Macbeth, brackets, disappointing. Bought, <laughs> it's one in the eye of Shakespeare. Did you talk to him? <laughs> yeah. Bought, bought New Order t-shirt and back in the DHSS by Half Man, Half Biscuit. So they're my cultural well, I, I've got to say, Yeah, I've got to say two things there. W something you said there. Amazingly, it came to light this week. Uh, maybe everyone knew this, but I didn't know this. Apparently, the first man in the world to receive one of the vaccines was called William Shakespeare. Yeah, well, he just died yes. last yeah. week. He, he passed away. He just away. died. He passed away, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to go for it here because I think I know the exact date you're referring to. <laughs> Gosh. I think it was the 30th of November, 1986. Uh, extraordinary. This is like... Yeah. Rain Man, incredible! Oh, listen, you don't know that you don't know the half of it. Okay, so that's two, that's two nil. I did know it was nine eighty six, but anyway, I wasn't my focus. Well, you know, you got to know them at the right time, you know. Yeah, right. So two nil, two nil, two nil. Yeah, right. Dave what's, the, what's this up to, by the way? Do we just play all night till someone falls um, asleep? Or? I've got seven of these, so we're two in. Okay. Oh, that, um, okay, that's good. This will be uh, this will be a John Parrott, Jimmy White first session. This will be anyway. Continue. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Silvino Francisco won the Dulux, Dulux British Open, beating Kirk Stevens 12-8. On that same day, I listened to my Sade tape. <laughs> um, <laughs> two, two You've always been a smooth operator, Dave. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Open goal and he's taken it. Um, yeah. Two days later, <laughs> Snook, Snooker Scene magazine arrived. There we uh, go again. Um a few days later, Liverpool lost to Spurs at Anfield for the first time in, 19, in 73 years. Score nil one brackets, Garth Crooks. <laughs> a day later, two days later, watch the young ones. Oh, this is, if, you, if we just put out an hour of someone saying the 80s, this is effectively what this is, isn't mm. it? Fantastic. Mm, yeah. um, well, it's 1985. 
because that's. I, I think I can give you the date. Hang on, it's not your question, Mister Mister. No, I know. I'm, I'm just letting you know if you want to. Now I think the final was actually twelve nine. Uh, not twelve. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't want to correct. Right. Don't want to correct. You know, what did I say? Twelve eight. Uh, that's just my eyesight. Twelve nine. You correct. Well, it's that same slot. It's late. It's late February, early March. So I'm going to say March the first. No, well, that, that would have been my birthday, but it so it wasn't right. then. Okay. So you're um, right with the year, 1985. Yeah. So that's good. So uh, it was a Sunday. So it would have been the third of March. It was the third of February. Ooh. No. Yep. <laughs> No, there's no way. <laughs> well, hang on, well, hang on. This controversy is. I'm going to Google it now because I'm. You know, we have yeah. to have. We have to have probity, Dave. You've come on our podcast. You can't start spreading, well, well, spreading fake news. <laughs> so I'm going to look at. Well, Wikipedia. While you're googling that, yeah. I've got to ask you, uh, Dave. Dave Tyndall. This is. Is that why you're called Dave? Because that's St David's Day, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and that is that is the reason, is it? Yeah, my uh, very imaginative parents thought. Uh, they should call me David. Well, yeah, we'll put her name at the time. I've looked it up, and according to Wikipedia, yeah. it was the third of March. I'm afraid, so I don't know what that says about. Unless uh, I've just copied it down wrong from the diary. The, the diary doesn't lie, so it, it could got, be an admin well, error. I've got two words for you, Dave. Martin Bashir. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we will have our own inquiry. We'll have our own inquiry, but we'll right. for now we'll draw a line under it. I got the point there, I think, because I got close to it. So okay, yeah, two one. So so. so yeah. Two, two, one, but still, I've still got the break of serve, so. <laughs> yes. Me, yeah, right, here we go. Next number four, one. number four. Steve yeah. Davis won the Larder Snooker Classic by beating Bill Werbenek 9-5 in the final. Um, five days later, I got my best score of 46,000 on Defender, which is a very Steve <laughs> Davis um, thing. And I read my Steve Davis coaching manual so this was, you know, total immersion, immersion in yeah. the Davis. Yeah. And then um, later that month, Cliff Thorburn beat Ray Reardon in the final of the Benson Hedges Snooker Tournament. I had an eye infection, and I got to <laughs> stage seven of Pac-Man. A busy this, year. This is A just busy year. <laughs> you know, Dave. Dave, I have to say, I have done face-to-face -face interviews with Pele, Arnold Palmer, Stephen Hendry. But you know, this, this is the highlight of my of my interviewing <laughs> career. This, this this is just amazing. So so Steve Davis beat Bill Werbenick to win the Ladder Classic. I'm gonna go big on it again. I'm gonna I'm gonna make another attempt to act, to try and get the actual date because I think the date of that would have been hmm could it have been the 16th of January, 1983. This is like when a magician shows a card that you can't possibly have guessed. Yes, you're completely right. It's astonishing. Wow. Well, I don't want to cast aspersions. I'll rephrase that. I'm going to cast aspersions. We can't see <laughs> we can't see Michael because he's on audio only. Now, we don't know what he's doing away from the screen. We don't know if he's looking things up. We can't say. Oh, this, this is shocking <laughs> stuff. Do you know what this is? This is because you're this is because you're from a cricket background and it's all about ball tampering there. Good point. Okay, three one. Yeah. Three exactly. One. Yeah. No, that's no because you 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 know it's you cricket people. You think everyone else is up to these tricks. I can assure you, I'm looking at nothing here. I wouldn't even know how to look these things up. All right. Anyway, three three one now. Three one. All right. Three one. Uh, yeah. Dave Dave needs this yeah. one badly. Yeah, it's a must-win frame. Yeah, and here we go. This, this very exciting entry for me here. Travel down to the Crucible in Sheffield with Dad. Saw Doug Mountjoy play Rex Williams. Saw Terry Griffiths and John Spencer. Then two days later, was sick four times and stayed off school. Jimmy White went into a 7-2 lead over Cliff Thorburn. Patsy Fagan beat David Taylor 10-9. Then the day after that, watched pro celebrity snooker on telly. <laughs> Then wow, wow. a couple of weeks later, bought Q World magazine. Oh, John D was the editor of that. Right. Yeah. It's a, I, I've written bought Q World magazine with a giant poster of Steve Davis. Snooker wow. never had that, did it? No. Um, sorry, I'm thinking here. Well, that, that's why Snooker still in business. Yeah. 
they used to have yeah, yeah. I mean Steve Davis fair enough but they used to have posters of all sorts of people you know like you, you get Peter Francisco poster or something you got a question who had that on the wall but the, but that's not the question uh, so Terry Griffiths against John Spencer uh, Jimmy Whitecliffe thought I mean it's obviously early to mid 80s it's sort of 80 um, this is not my answer necessarily but it's sort of 84 ish 83 84 I'm trying to think so obviously Davis beat White in the final. I'm going to say it's 1984. It's obviously, if, and if it is, it's going to be April, late April, I guess. Michael, oh no. Uh, yeah. I'm. I. I think. I think it might have been 1985. Mm, this is interesting. You've got the exact sort of day on some of the other ones. I. I throw in a world well, championship question and. Um, you're, you're miles yeah. out, 1982. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So we're both wrong. Now, wow. hang on. 82. Yes. So did you, Terry, you said Terry Griffiths played John Spencer. I said, um, saw Doug Mountjoy play Rex Williams, saw Terry Griffiths and John Spencer. That They can't no. fight each other. Terry lost in the first round. Terry lost to Willie Thorne. I've seen them walking past. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. Well, Doug Mountjoy v Rex Williams surely wasn't repeated in other years. No, well, uh, we're not uh, we're not saying you you lied as a young lad, but um, Patsy yeah. Fagan beating David Taylor ten nine surely that was a one off. Well, no one got that right, so it's still three one. So I can still tie you, this. Yeah. This could be this could be. It, it, a lot depends on this next question. It's in the panel there for once. I feel. Um, right. right, next one. Um, who's this to Michael? Yeah. Um, okay, Jimmy. Oh, that's too easy. No, 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 it isn't actually. This is true. Well, go on, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy White and Alex Higgins beat Willie Thorne and Cliff Thorburn in the final of the world doubles. And then three days later, Snooker Tip came off again. Watch Tommy the Who film Liverpool beat QPR 2 0. John Walker and Ian Rush got the goals, had a 60 break, missed red with 103 on. Which is quite the caveat, isn't it? Me giving how many how many days later did you say? Uh, three. Three days later. No, I I don't think that's right because I remember that Liverpool match. That was a Friday night game, I think. But anyway, so well, unless the doubles finished midweek. But, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, I am going to I'm going to try for the actual date again. So I'm going to say the 16th of December, 1984. Uh, this is a, really astonishing. How would you know that? <laughs> well, who doesn't know that? Well, according to Dave, I'm looking it all up. Now, listen, th this is only scratching the surface. Believe me, there's, there's, there's people in, in sort of American sort of facilities who have been studying him for years. But uh, <laughs> so I think this is, this is I'm playing for pride. Uh, it's four now, yeah. With the last question, um, the, I, the sort of the way I look at it is, there's no one still listening, so it, no one actually knows. Yeah, losing, so that's fair. Yeah. I think I've killed your audience. Oh, they will. <laughs> but anyway, last question. Yeah, last question. Okay, Tony Knowles and Joe Johnson are 250 to one outsider. See, my early love of betting is showing itself mm -hmm. there. Logging um, the big shock through to the final of the PPT brackets professional players tournament also oh, that day that day watched give us a break and mum and dad had new everest double glazed window put in <laughs> everest time, who of course it? later became sponsors of the world match play they did yeah they did um, they, they yeah they plenty they enjoyed plenty of frames but anyway yeah, yeah. Two, yeah two days good. later two days later start of state express team classic at oh. snooker then four days after that Booked tickets for Alex Higgins versus Jimmy White at Whitehaven Sports Centre. Read Steve Davis' Frame and Fortune book. Wow. Well, all sorts of cultural references there. I think, yeah, I think Tony Knowles. It was '83, I think, when he won that tournament. Um, mm. So, so, and I think it was early season. Um, at a guess, and it, and it is literally a guess. It's either late September or early October. So I'm going to say end of September. October the 20th. Well, okay. A, a very good effort. <laughs> I'm going to give myself half a point for that. I've got the year. I'll give myself a whole point. That, 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 of, that of course, was um, a very rare instance. 
certainly in those days, of a ranking event that wasn't actually shown on television. Yes, and also it proved that Joe didn't come from absolutely nowhere because I think it was 9-8 in the final, Indeed. up to Knowles. So yeah. he'd, he'd been in a final. Yeah. So the final score, I'm saying he's 4-2, not to me. Um, but yeah. but there's, a, there's a chance here that these... Pro, I've got a list of profiles that were in my pop oh, yeah, diaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and there's six of these, so you could you could actually win still. Let's continue then. What? All goes well. Yeah, let's continue. <laughs> Hang on a minute. What's all this? No, this is, this is, a, this is an extra... As if, yeah, like as, as a bonus. As if we haven't given people enough already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, from 1984 to 1986, I got Pop Black Diaries, which were obviously a big thing at the time, although no one else in the world could remember them. And they had, uh, like, page profiles of the stars of the day. They were little snippets. Right. So I've jotted down some of the ones that um, sort of caught my eye. Mm. So name this snooker player. Um, Dave. So, has, who's going first then? They've had the last one, so I get first. Yeah. Right. Okay, Michael. This player, his hobbies include jazz, reggae, disco, dancing, and tennis. My word. Jazz, reggae, disco, dancing, tennis. Quite the old man, isn't he? Tony Knowles. Oh, I thought you had it. Tony Mio. Oh. There we go. Okay. Right. Chance for Dave. And he's, I'm reading these in order, so Dave's got an easy one here. This player has appeared on Pro Celebrity Golf and the Paul Daniels Magic Show. How's that an that easy one? His, that was in his bio. <laughs> How's that an I easy think one? I know the answer. Well, hang on. Tony Mayo yeah. wouldn't have appeared on Paul Daniels, surely. I mean, I go, and this is not, I'm not answering yet, but I'm just thinking out loud. I go immediately to someone like Dennis, who obviously, Dennis Taylor, who was on everything, but there's also. Ray Reardon could have been on there. It's that one of those sort of. It's a big. It's a big gun, isn't it? I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm going to say Dennis Taylor. Ray Reardon. Oh. What a, uh, what a shame. What a shame. Hang on, hang on. Do do, do we do, do they not pass over still? Uh, oh. from now on they will. Oh, 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 they will. Oh, it's, yeah, I wasn't going to say Ray Reardon. I was actually going to guess Cliff Thorburn, so I wouldn't okay. have got it anyway. But yeah. Well, I wouldn't have got right. Tony Mayo either. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we'll pass them over from here on. So back to me, okay. Dave. It's almost yeah. as if we're just making it up as we go along, isn't it? I mean, just... yeah. <laughs> Michael, um, yes. this player has his own fan club and his hobbies include swimming, listening to music and reading. <laughs> reading? A snooker yeah. player? Wow, yeah. wow. Um, swimming, listening to music, reading... And he has his own fan club. I'm, going, I'm actually going to guess. I'm going to make the same guess again. I'm going to say Tony Knowles. No, David Taylor. What? <laughs> David Taylor. The David Taylor fan club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to. I'm saying now. I want to because we have a niche audience. If anyone was ever in the David Taylor fan club, that's oh, yeah. all. I, that's all I want to know about now. That's all I want to know about. Yeah. Maybe when he. He commented, did the co-commentary on Steve Davis's ladder classic maximum. That got him a, yeah. a sort, of, sort of fan club. Maybe, 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 maybe people thought the Silver Fox fan club was something different. I don't know. But uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> St- Steve Davis, actually, one of the greatest sort of snooker off-table stories ever is told by Steve Davis about David Taylor. But I couldn't possibly tell it on here because... Uh, oh. Okay, probably well, end up in court. So. Well, there we are. We'll anyway, come back to that another time. Well, maybe not. But anyway, anyway, so so yeah, back over to Dave. Um, you'll have, I'll have to be, I'll have to be reasonable here and say you won't. It's not who you would guess. But this one, this player jogs to keep fit, a habit he inherited from Eddie Charlton. Jog by Eddie Charlton Jr. Jogs to keep fit. Well, I think I might know this, so do, do pass it over to me yeah. if he doesn't get okay. it. Jogs to keep fit. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the grind. I'm going to say Cliff Thorburn for that. No. Is it Jimmy? No, it's um, astonishingly Dennis Taylor. I don't know whether this was a joke, an in joke from the pop black he's never diary people. He's never been yeah. jogging, has he? He's never been jogging. No, <laughs> never. But it's there. Yeah. That, claim is, that claim is just not exactly. a runner. <laughs> right. Um, so. right. Uh, penultimate one. So it's still 4-2 then, I think. 
Does anyone, does anyone know? Does anyone care? Go on, continue. Dave needs both these. Yeah. Okay, this player, yeah. hobbies include golf, tennis and squash. He represented the ball players in the Super Teams television series, which was kind of, wow. kind of like a, the superstars, but a team version. Yeah. So he was one of the ball players, along with people like Jahangir Khan and... Um, Phil Kenyon, not the Phil Kenyon is a putting mm. coach. I think the one who's a badminton player or squash player. Right. Golf, tennis and squash. He re represented the ball players in the Super Teams television series. Okay. So, okay, there are only certain people you could really have put into that. Uh, golf, tennis and squash. I really don't know. I really don't know who to say. Um... So somebody would have been quite young and, and reasonably fit. That doesn't really apply to anyone from the 80s era, does it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm John Virgo. <laughs> well, I'm guessing that's wrong. I'm going to go yeah. back. Well, I'm going to go back to the one we've already had three times, Tony Knowles. Tony Knowles is correct. Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's that's so unfair. It's on a knife edge. The whole thing is, is on a knife edge. Yeah. And, and it, it comes down to this question. Can I force the draw? I, I've, not I've, I've not thought of a respotted quiz question yeah. either. Can I just declare at this stage, you know, back to, you know, I know you're both cricket people again. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, this will have to be like sort of um, the league thing where you'll just get a draw rather yeah. than decide. Mm -hmm. Right, final player. Likes lager, Chinese food and collecting Elvis Presley recordings. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Well, here we are. Uh, lager. You run those again. Lager. Chinese food Chinese and food. collecting Elvis records. Sounds like Dominic Dale, but he wasn't around in those days. I want to have a go at this if Dave doesn't get it. Well, the obvious lager one. We know who, who was famous for lager, but I don't know whether Bill was, mm. was into Elvis or not. Um, wow. This is uh, genuinely exciting, isn't it? We're, we're down here to the wire, and I've got to try and guess a snooker player from lager, Chinese food, and Elvis Presley. Um, hmm. and we're talking I'm really tempted to give you a clue. No, I didn't get no, any clues. I, yeah. I will say, I'm going to say Cliff Thorburn. Michael, do you want to oh. guess just to sort of keep it? Well, so is it? So is it not Cliff Thorburn? Well, I'm just trying to create drama. By... <laughs> well, you're doing well. You're doing well. Well, you'll be taking over from us doing this next week. Uh, lager, Chinese food, and collecting Elvis Presley records. Okay, so probably someone you know who was who had been around in in the Elvis era. Uh, was it Eddie? Eddie Charlton? No, my clue was going to be um, obviously sounds like a no frills type of guy, which is kind of ironic given what he wore. Doug Mountjoy. Wow, wow. Mm, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Lager, Chinese food. <laughs> Well, so, do you want to add any extra rounds just to give David another chance? <laughs> no, I think I, I think I think we, I don't know what the score was. It four three in the end. It must have been yeah, four, four three. Four three. Four well, three, yeah. I think yeah. I think in in many ways, Snooker was the winner there, uh, <laughs> yeah. or not least our listeners. But that's but that's not it because, of course, as you know, Dave is a regular listener. We've had um, we, we there was mention the other week of Bernard Bennett on this podcast, and we've had a flood of emails too actually about him this week. So the, the people are still keen to talk about Bernard Bennett and John Bennett has written in okay he, he said wow. he said you recently mentioned Bernard Bennett on the podcast and talk of unsuccessful players of which there were many back in the era it appeared at the time almost as if you could turn pro if you made your living from snooker but not necessarily by playing for example owning a club like Bernard Bennett Bert DeMarco and David Greaves or journalism like Clive Everton I know these guys were decent players long before they got accepted into the professional game as it was a bit of a closed shop it reminded me of my snooker related nickname which I'm still sometimes called. It wasn't very complimentary, but I like to think it was meant a, as a bit of fun and with at least a bit of affection. His nickname was Bernard, or, or in full, Bernard Bennett Nil. I have to also say I could have been likened to my other snooker-playing namesake, Mark Bennett, as we both shared a like for a few, alcohol, a few alcoholic beverages back in the day. No offence, Mark. And he signs off, John Bennett Nil. And Dr Tim Sandal has also written in on this subject. He said, my understanding with Bernard Bennett he was one of the founding members 
of the return to World Championship tournament play. According to Clive Everton's Guinness World of Snooker book, 1981, Bennett was proprietor of the Castle Club in Southampton and turned professional in order to allow the event to happen, which was won by John Spencer. Bennett had no illusions of being a great player, but he helped to promote the game. He also hosted many tournaments at his Castle Club Snooker Centre, which added to the number of events during the 70s when the calendar was often patchy. Alex Higgins beat John Spencer to win the 1975 event. Spencer beat Higgins to win in 1976. So it turns out Bernard Bennett basically saved snooker. Well, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is the first podcast ever to have Bernard Bennett and Alan Bennett feature in the same episode. <laughs> Quite and also, I've, I've been meaning to say this for about 20 minutes now, actually, since um, Dave, Dave Tindall that is, mentioned the Steve Davis poster. Just slightly off topic, but, you know, this is the sort of thing that really fits in nicely here. A couple of years ago on YouTube, I came across some ads on RTE, which is the Irish National Broadcaster, from uh, around about 1984, I think it was. And they were, there was an advert for the RTE Guide, which is the Irish equivalent of the Radio Times. And they were going through all the things that were in it uh, in, in that, that, that week's issue. And the, the guy doing the voiceover said with a completely straight face, full colour pin-up of Hilda Ogden. <laughs> I wonder if Judd Trump's, no. listen, Judd Trump's listening to this thinking, this is every, <laughs> everything that is wrong with snooker. I'm going to update it, though. I'm going to, I'm going to get a bit more up-to-date. I'm going to mention Pat Hooligan. Okay? Pat Hooligan. Okay. Is that more up-to-date? Luke Williams writes, he said, I only recently discovered your podcast and have been voraciously consuming the back catalogue. You do a great job, perfect balance of info, insight, seriousness and humour. Many years ago, when I was a young snooker-mad writer making my way as a sports journalist, I co-wrote a snooker book called Masters of the Bays with my friend and fellow writer, Paul Gadsby. Having oh, yeah. Having recently... Paul Gadsby used to work for Teletext. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we know Paul. Yeah. We know Paul, yeah. yeah. Having recently reread three of my favourite old snooker books, including Pocket Money, The Cruel Game, and Clive's Black Farce and Cue Ball Wizards, as well as my favourite player bio, Behind the White Ball by Jimmy White, I thought an interesting discussion might be what your favourite snooker tomes are. It says no need to mention Masters of the Bays. I see what you've done there, Luke. Uh, well, we have had sort of that discussion in the past. We, we did a sort of book, mm. book a week and we did mention those books. But he says, finally, I'm dipping my toe back into snooker writing now after mainly working in boxing for like 10 years. I'm at work on a long, on a, on a long, I am at work on the research, on a research biography of Patsy Houlihan which I've been planning and researching on and off since I wrote an article for Snooker Scene back in 2007 after his death. If you are in any way able to mention on your podcast the fact that I would love to speak to anyone who ever played or met Patsy, I'd be very grateful. If you're able to do this, feel free to give my email address out. So anyone who's, who knew Patsy Houlihan, played him, if you, can, if you want to contribute, then Luke's email address, okay, is lgw 007 at yahoo.com that's lgw007 at yahoo.com so happy to do that luke i remember the book it was very good it was about each chapter was about a different really world, good about a different world champion there was a lot of interesting stuff in there um, i'm sure you can still get it at various uh, various amazon style uh, websites and uh, yeah look look at, look forward to that i remember bill king mark's dad telling me he thought pat Hullin, who he knew was the best player he's ever seen um he was a player who basically came from quite a sort of um what's the word uh lively background shall we say and because of that his face didn't fit and he wasn't allowed to turn pro for years um so he never got a chance and his to... best days were behind him yeah by, by the time he, he did turn pro he never got a chance to play in his prime he, i think he did play at the crucible and he was also in number one the bob gelboff film of which we mentioned before. yes uh but yeah and... so anyway, happy to do that luke go on I was just going to say it all ties in rather neatly with the fact that uh, the other day he was on with us this week because we were talking last year, weren't we, about sort of fantasy tournaments and that. And I was recalling how I'd started one with my cousin, which was a bit too ambitious. We, we had a field of 64, so we never got it finished before I had to go home again. But I remember saying this on the podcast last year that he um, told me a few weeks later he had finished out the tournament on his own. It was won by uh, Roger Bales. And as far as I remember, I think Patsy Houlihan was the runner-up. So he has been mentioned on the podcast before. Something, so here is something... the trip. Something tells me that won't make the book. That won't make the book. No, no, indeed. Well, this might. <laughs> this, this might. This, this might because here's the trivia question of the year. What does Patsy Houlihan have in common with Nikolai Ceausescu's father? <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Well, I don't know much about Nikolai Ceausescu's father. Nikolai Ceausescu was assassinated, on, well, not assassinated, but he was um, yeah, taken, executed. Ta- ta- yeah, taken around the back and shot on Christmas Day, 1989. Uh, it was, yeah. I remember seeing the news flash coming on after um, Clockwise on BBC One on Christmas night. But anyway... Once again, um, hello, hello, hello to Judd. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the podcast has turned into one big backlash against Judd's comments. But anyway, um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so yeah. Patsy Hulan and Nikolai Ceausescu's father, what they have in common is that they both have two children with the same first name. Because when Nikolai Ceausescu was born, um, his mother said to his father, what will we call them? And his father, who apparently sort of, you know, ruled quite sternly in the house, which, you know, psychologists would find quite interesting, uh, said, let's call him Nikolai, forgetting that he already had a son called Nikolai because he was drunk. So there ended up being being two two Nikolais in the same family. So what's that got to do with Patsy Hulahan, you might say? Well, he had two children who were both called Patsy. One um, one of them, uh, one of each sex. So they became known as Patsy Boy and Patsy Girl. You don't get this anywhere else. Aren't you you glad you came on, Dave, after all that? Really, yeah. (laughs) I am. Can I just, as a, you you lot love a a coincidence. My... um, My first job in journalism was on Teletext, so I started. Oh, oh mine, mine too. Mine too. My, my really? first job was in uh, was in the Irish Teletext. Yeah, right. Right. Well, you see, wow. again, without, without wishing to... Well, let's turn the clock back. It's not, it's not been turned forward, has it? <laughs> there was a great frizz on about waiting for that page to update. You know, with no internet, if you were trying to find out the score and it wasn't necessarily live on TV, you know, just... Page, uh, page 387, it always seemed to be on CFAX, but just re- refresh the page. Has it changed? No. And, of course, I, I, I learned years later, the main reason is the people that from the, from the press room who rang the scores in were doing other things. So <laughs> the match was probably over. It was still like 4-2. Um, Paul, yeah, Paul, uh, uh, he, he now writes novels, I believe. So he's uh, doing well for himself. Well, but, Paul Gatsby. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to attempt now to, to drag this into the present day because, Dave, you, you made the point you were, and we've heard from your diaries, you were a big snooker fan of the 80s, drifted away, have sort of drifted back. So how do you sort of see Stuka now um, compared to the so-called good old days? Are you, you know, do, are you watching a lot of it? Are you into it again? Or, or and what does it need to do to sort of keep your attention, do you think? Oh, I'm absolutely hooked again. Absolutely hooked. Um, obviously, again, learning about what I missed in the, my coma years where I don't know, it, you know, it seemed <laughs> that there were, there were times like, it is Dallas with balls. It, it, there was a time when, there are hardly any events going, and now it's virtually every week. I was, I was almost relieved to have a break. Now, after the Worlds, it was like I need to sort of regroup a little bit and think about other stuff. But, yeah, most tournaments, I'm just watching them all the time. I can't get enough of it. And, it, you know, it's, I've, I've got the Eurosport app and everything, and I, I just watch an awful lot and so many good characters. Obviously, you get that longevity with the class of 92, a thing I didn't know anything about until... Um, as a phrase, again, until maybe last year. Um, I, most of my comb years, I think, were, like, spent... It was all about Ronnie. I, I, I loved Ronnie because that's sort of sportsman I would, you know, style and everything. As soon as he went out of the World Championships, I no interest anymore. So I would keep heart. That was the only time I probably had half an idea what was going on. Um, but now... Yeah, I'm just hooked. And obviously playing in the Northern Snook Centre, I see Peter Lyons, Oliver Lyons, David Grace down there. So it's all sort of built this huge sort of scene again in my head. So, yeah, it's I'd love to be more involved somehow, but obviously I'm, so I, I do a lot of golf and football. But I, I think the snooker world is a great place to be. I think there's lots of great things going on, young and old. And who and there was um, another slightly more famous diarist, Adrian Mole, uh, had a book, didn't he? The Cappuccino Years. So maybe there could be Dave Tyndall, The Coma Years, because you seem to have coined that phrase. You write me, about what you were doing when you were outside of the game. Tell me this, then. So is, is Ronnie still your favourite player now, or are you sort of developed to the other favourites? No, so it was it definitely still Ronnie. Uh, so I've always kept an eye on him. Uh, my girlfriend bought me his book Running a few years ago. And then me and Lucy went to see, um, she's a big Ronnie fan for slightly different reasons than I am, possibly. Um, so we got tickets. I couldn't believe we got tickets to see him at the World Championship this year because, I don't know, even with COVID and 
people having a reason not to go. I still thought he would be sold out within minutes, but we managed to get to get seats. So we went to that evening session where he reeled off three century breaks in a row. So that, to me, that was that was you know like a bucket list thing, seeing a genius do something like that. I mean, shame he didn't win, but I'd watched all of it the year before when he won. So yeah, back to sort of golf. It is a bit like golf in that. You know, Phil Mickelson's just won the PGA. Tiger won the Masters a couple of years ago. You, you've still got these, unlike football, where it's a more of a revolving door, you've got these great players that you can cling on to. But also, you know, I'm a big fan of Judd. I like Jack Lazowski a lot. So it's just great. It's great. That's good to hear. We're going we're gonna to wrap up shortly. Uh, thank you for coming on, first of all. Well, it, thank you very much. Value, value for money. <laughs> justified the non-fee yeah, exactly uh, and thank you for all your contributions as well during the year um, you know it's kept us going I mean the, the, those those are in the days where basically you, the sort of the actual audio quality was no good but hopefully the, the, the actual quality of the chat was half decent and you certainly contributed to that and you're going to stay a snooker fan clearly you've got the, you've got the bug back absolutely got the bug back and um I went to non-snooker centre the other day after not being there for nine months. So I've still got this idea that one day I will make a hundred break. One day. So I, I don't know what will happen. It's, it's like when you, if you, to me, that's the Everest. What do you do if you've climbed Everest then? It's currently 83, my best. So it's sort of there. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's within reach, but part of me doesn't want is to. That on, is that on the six? Is that on the six-foot table or no, that's a full size? That's, that's at the Northern Snooker Centre. Oh, that's at the Northern, right. Very good. Okay, well, next week, uh, I'll be... It, a slight change of pace. I'll be interviewing Steve Dawson, who's the new chairman of Will Snooker Tour. So it may be a slight... guest. Yeah, it might be a slightly different tone, but we'll see if it's as entertaining. But, Dave, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun, as I, as I knew it would be, and you answered the call. Um just to say we are members of the sports social network they've got lots of other great podcasts check them out you can email us snooker scene podcast at mail.com that's snooker scene podcast at mail.com dave would you like to sign off as we always do by saying goodbye bye you don't have to <laughs> well can i just say thank you ever so much for having me on it's incredible to think that i stumbled across this podcast um listen to the first one and i thought blimey I've got this thing about I like people who are really good at their jobs, which sounds really obvious, but I encounter so many people who just aren't, who are faking it. But as soon as I listened to you and Michael, I thought, blimey, these, these guys are really entertaining and they've got incredible knowledge. What, you know, I was absolutely hooked on this podcast and it's been a real theme. You know, you think of those sort of lockdown days my whole sort of it was like a sort of framework for me I used to go and listen to the all the old editions on my walks it just became part of my life and um, hopefully it shall stay that way that's very, um, kind, that's very, that's very kind of you thank you um, mm-hmm. so do you want to do do you want to do the sign off well I'll do my goodbye bye goodbye bye see you next week everyone sports social podcast network <laughs>